Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of faith for our messy lives. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, the father of five grown children, and the author of Inspirational Fiction for Teens and Adults. Our big news item as we start off Season 3 of The Shepherd's Pie is that our new format is expanding beyond just issues that impact youth. We're still going to have our same wonderful format of talking to guests about important issues of faith, but we're going to be focusing on really just how do we apply faith to help handle the messes that life serves to each of us. As our first guest on this new season, we have with us today Annie Harton, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we're going to be talking with her about living as a single person in today's messy world. My guest today is Annie Harton, a proud alumna of St. Mary's College and the University of Notre Dame. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's an author and a speaker. Her book, Single Truth, You Are More Than Your Relationship Status, has inspired her to actually start a business, which we'll hear more about, and it's called You Are More. She specializes in helping singles and couples explore how they're more than their diagnoses, they're more than their past, their jobs, or their relationship statuses. Annie, it is so nice to finally get you on the Shepherd's Pie. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, all right, just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your background and how you got to be a marriage and family therapist. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, as a big sister of quadruplet siblings. And so as a family of seven, uh, we had to communicate a lot. We had a lot of fun. And my parents have a great thriving marriage as best friends. And that inspired me to help other families to also have the strong bond that we do. So that's what led me into kind of the intrigue of psychology and counseling to help other couples and families to experience the love, especially that only Christ can give. So I call myself a Christ-centered counselor because I also have a master's in theology and I love to integrate faith or create a safe space 
so that families can feel that that is definitely relevant to their story and who they are. I don't have to just counsel Christians, but a lot of clients find me through Christian means. So whether that's through the archdiocese or catholictherapist.com or other ways, I like to always ask how they found me so that we know how to integrate faith, if that's something they would like. Seems to me that being a marriage and family therapist in today's world has got to be tough for a Christian therapist. As a lawyer, I, I see a lot of these cases where it just seems like there are landmines out there, you know, waiting to explode on us by living out our faith. How have you been doing that as a Christian therapist? Has that been an issue or something you, you worry about sometimes? Yeah, in the field of therapy, it is very confidential for the most part. So people have the freedom to work with us. And my office is very clearly Christian focused. And so whether someone feels comfortable or not, uh, surrounded by images of Our Lady or of Christ or the Holy Family, I love to have married saints around. So it's kind of up to them to say, okay, this makes me totally uncomfortable. There's also a focus on them choosing how they want to integrate and then I like to lead them in prayer if that's something they would like, or they may lead us in prayer. But for the most part, I feel like it's all very free because they have the freedom to choose the therapy. I have the freedom to also say that you're not a great fit either. I am in a private practice setting, so it definitely helps. When I worked in more of a clinical like community health setting, I had to be a lot more careful, but people know what they're getting into if they find me or Annie, then if they just got placed with me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But you wound up writing a book that mm -hmm. appears to be focused on single life. So maybe talk yep. a little bit to that. What brought you to, out of all the things a marriage counselor could write about, a family counselor could write about, you chose singleness. Well, I am in my 30s and I am still single. And I have been asked a lot by prospective clients or just people that I network with about what I know about love as a single marriage counselor. But I was almost married about almost 10 years ago. So that was a wake-up call for me to really step back and evaluate who Annie was as a single person versus who Annie is as a girlfriend or as a potential fiance. And I walked the Camino de Santiago right before I wrote the book. And so I had a lot of time in silence. I had a lot of time of discernment and prayer. And when I came back, I was called to go on a dating fast on my 30th birthday for a year. So my goal was to publish the book at 31. So I had a year of singleness while I was writing a book about what I've learned about love as a single marriage counselor. And I dedicated it to my ex and really thought of both men and women who were struggling with not feeling worthy of love. But I really wanted men to find it as a resource that would be applicable to them because I know a lot of relationship resources are very feminine, very emotion-based, but I wanted this to be approachable for men. So when you talk about singleness, some people I think probably are wondering, are we talking about the type of singleness where it's like your vocation in life to be a single person or are you talking about uh, something else? Yeah, I have a chapter in the book that is about transitional singleness. And I was starting to think about diaconate 
before priests are ordained as priests, they are ordained as deacons for a year. And so we have the permanent diaconate, if you're kind of deacon forever, or you're a transitional deacon and you're on your way to becoming a priest. And so there are people in the church who have chosen consecrated single life and have you know made a vow or commitment to God that they're giving of their lives in that way with radical availability and to be open to wherever God is leading them. Uh, but then there are a lot of people who are single and yet still feel called to be married. I heard a lot in my life, especially as I got older, that, oh, you're single, that means you're probably going to be single forever, or maybe you're not meant to date, or maybe you're not meant to do this, maybe you should be a nun, or maybe you should do this, and I just feel like you're either in like a singles group uh, as a very young adult and trying to meet someone of the opposite sex so that you can get married and then join the couple's Bible studies and marriage ministry and all of those things. But you kind of have this period in between where people are single, but they don't feel called to be that way for their whole life. They're just in this season of singleness that they're trying to ask God, why am I single still? And what's the purpose here? That's what I'm talking about. If you had to try to put a theme on your book or summarize kind of the heart of your book, what would it be? There's a motto that I that I, I share in it. A spouse is an assist and not the goal. So that's one thing. So I'll kind of set that aside. And then the other is that you don't lose yourself in marriage, but you give yourself. And we have this idea that marriage is the ultimate goal. And once we're married, then we don't have to have any goals anymore, right? When I was kind of preparing for marriage in my past relationship, my friends were asking me, like, what are your life goals? And what are what do you want in life? And I'm like, I just want to be married. And that's like all my mind could see. But the more you learn, the more your life like continues onward. But now you're married, so you have this companion along the way, but you still have your callings, you still have your vocation with your work or with your hobbies or with your ministries and church. Those could change, but you're not going to be stripped of everything that was you prior to marriage. And so that brings me to that second point that we don't just lose who our prior self was. So so when someone gets married, yes, you you kind of die to yourself and like live this kind of new life. You may change your name. Uh, you may have to move to a new city. You may have to make changes like that. But we need to shift our mindset to this giving of ourselves. And if we give of ourselves, we have to know who we are. So that on dates and through the process of discernment, uh, when we hope to marry another person we have to know ourselves well enough that we can like introduce them to us do you have any tips for people to know themselves that sounds very greek philosophy to me know thyself so how how is a single person get to know themselves yeah it's a big season of discovery it's a big opportunity to just try something new so this is where you have the time you may have the finances I know in my singleness, I've been trying to learn how to cook 
better. I used to eat like a five-year-old and kind of have mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and all those kind of basic things. But I said, well, it's just me in the house. Might as well, you know, try some recipes, try to just experiment a little bit because if I burn dinner, then I can always just grab a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something like that, that I'm not burning the whole family dinner. So I've gotten some practice to be more confident in the kitchen or somebody may want to learn an instrument. And I took ballroom dance lessons that I've always wanted to do. So just asking around, thinking about what do I want to do with my time? What crazy things do I want to go and what spontaneous trips do I want to go on? You know, what groups do I want to join? Do I want to audition for a play or just any kind of thing that may help you to bring that child you out like things that you really enjoyed as a kid or hobbies that you've always wanted to do that you said later I'll do that singleness is a great time to explore and to have fun so you you mentioned earlier this idea of transitional singleness versus permanent singleness. And I suppose if somebody is in a period of their lives where they are single, they may not know if this is the transitional version or the permanent version. Mm-hmm. So any advice on even just discerning whether you are supposed to be single your whole life? I mean, it seems like, you know, I guess you just wait around and see if you get married, but that doesn't seem like much of a discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... There are two points to that. So when I went to Notre Dame, the vocations director often said after masses that if you are called to be a priest, God will fill your heart with that joy. Like that will bring you the greatest joy. If you're called to marriage, that will bring you the greatest joy. If you're called singleness, like that will that will bring you some freedom, that joy. And to know that God doesn't take volunteers. So whatever we are called to, we need to trust that if God put that desire in our hearts, that he has a plan to fulfill that. So that's a big big thing that if you feel called to marriage and you just have this strong calling to marriage, then there's something probably to that. While if you are a single person and just think everyone else is getting married, I feel like I should want to be married or I feel like I should join join the club, then... That may not be the healthiest discernment just because other people are doing it. And then something that helped me during a dating class I was taking is to really think about if you never got married, would Jesus be enough? And so it's that challenge to say, am I placing my worth in future marriage? Is the only happiness marriage? I had a colleague while I was finishing the book, she passed away after a a reunion that we had with my grad program. And that really hit me that people die without getting married. And they're not in heaven right now saying, dang it, I wish I could be married. (laughs) Because they are with the fullness of love right now in heaven. So I think that's the perspective shift that like, if the world ends tomorrow, and we just happen to not have a ring on our finger are we going to be less than or are we saying that marriage is going to strengthen my mission in the kingdom will this person add to my life rather than just be the to-do item that I have to check off sometimes 
And, you know, you mentioned earlier about your book was meant not just for women, but also for men singles. And it made me think a little bit, you know, is there a different experience of singleness for women versus men? Obviously, you probably can only speak as a woman from your personal experience, but clearly you counsel people in this area. Mm-hmm. Is it different being a male single versus a female single? Yeah. And there's, you know, the feminine and the masculine and our how we reflect Christ's love for the church and how women often get so impatient about being chosen about, okay, well, I like this guy and I like this guy and I keep going to these groups and no one's asked me out and no one's showing interest. And then you also have men who are just wanting a girlfriend just for their worth, you know, so they kind of ask whoever, or they kind of choose the easy route or they, dress out when girls are saying no to them, asking people out. So they have this pressure to like do something while women have this frustration about like not being called on. Kind of this feeling like, okay, I'm putting myself out there and I'm trying to be obvious enough and I just want someone to notice me. And that's just part of the feminine masculine struggle that we both struggle, but we both find this urgency and why isn't it happening? Like, why isn't this relationship leading to marriage? Why is this dating just continuing to end and break up? That can be really, really frustrating. You talked a little bit about permanent versus transitional. And I suppose if you are filled with joy at being single, then that's one way to know it should be permanent. But especially those people who are in transitional singleness, it seems to me that loneliness you know, loneliness would probably be an issue. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on dealing with loneliness as a single person. Yeah, I love that question because in my new addition to this book, so I I published this book four years ago, but I just came out with a brand new cover and some extra content. And one of the new things that I have in this book is a forward written by Father Stephen Gadbury from Word on Fire. And he reflects on the difference between loneliness and being alone. And this call, especially from a priest perspective, on how there's a difference with kind of embracing the quiet and being tortured by it almost, you know, or being isolated and being, you know, connected or something. So you have this call that, especially during COVID, challenged a lot of people to know what it's like to be kind of stuck in the house, not have a Bible study to go to, not have a friend group, not have a a lot of things that can fill that quiet time. People are listening to music all the time or just noise, having the TV on, having podcasts on, or just having things that constantly fill the quiet can add to that like restlessness. But I have chosen to really embrace the quiet more because I know that if God wants me to be a mother someday I will not have this quiet time so it's just a perspective that we can share on singleness and how we can be either haunted by it or we can actually embrace it and get closer to God when it's just God in me like I love my prayer life now and I I was just telling you that I'm in a relationship now And there is this reality of like grieving singleness. And I know that sounds so silly, 
to someone that really is hating their singleness right now. But there is this transition that it's not going to be the same because you will have somebody else that will not make it so easy for just it being you and God. And that's what St. Paul talks about in scripture as well, is that you have the worldly concerns. You have someone to try to serve and love. And when you have that, then you get a little bit more distracted from the time where it's just dates with Jesus and just having that intimate bond with God having all of your heart. That's some beautiful imagery, actually, that you're evoking here. So it definitely transformed this idea of loneliness. And of course, when I think about loneliness, and you talked about especially maybe men saying, you know, well, they just want a girlfriend because they want to have a girlfriend. It's probably mm -hmm. dealing with their loneliness to some extent. So uh, we have to talk about dating and especially, I think, the topic of chastity and dating in the modern world as a single person. Do you have any, uh, any thoughts on that issue? We haven't been taught how to date. It's the reality of it. So we don't know how to do it. We put pressure where there doesn't need to be pressure. I took this dating course called School of Dating by these Christian dating coaches, and it was extremely helpful. And I took it right before I met I'm, I met this guy that I'm dating now. So it, it just really opened my heart to take chances and to not put so much pressure on dating, to just date, to get to know people and to reach out and be bold and just go on a date and have fun with someone. Like you have to take one date at a time and then you decide you want to enter into that next stage. But you have to know about your attachment slot. You have to know kind of where you have been in the past and how those past wounds have been coming up into your current interactions and what you're projecting on other people. And it's just a full thing. Like dating really involves like the rawness of all of your past stories and the lies that you tell yourself and the way your family has treated you, the way that you've handled breakups before. And just there's so much kind of mess involved that we think it's always just the person in front of us. But really, there's so much that is brought to those interactions. So I feel like we just haven't learned how to date, especially in the Christian culture where we just say, get married. <laughs> so, you know, on our first date, we have to decide if we're going to marry this person or not. And that's, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I think you mentioned St. Paul. I think St. Paul also talked about people marrying sometimes maybe because of their burning desire that the, you know, marriage mm -hmm. is, is a way to satisfy that. So when I think about dating today and like on all these match websites, mm -hmm. I, from what I hear, I mean, I've been married for 34 years so I, I don't know this from personal experience but from what i hear you know there's an expectation a lot of times on these websites that people are just going to hook up on dates and as a christian dating obviously that could be mortal uh, wound to you mm -hmm. um so i don't know any any advice for single people who are struggling with that issue yeah it goes back to the silence as well it goes to like what does that feel for us because Right now in a long distance relationship, I've been learning so much about communication. And when you aren't even in the same place, you don't have the physical to blur anything. You just 
have to dig deeper in your communication and to share your feelings and to talk through things um, instead of maybe a date where you just go and make out or you just go and just sit with each other and not talk about anything. There are so many people in marriage prep. I love marriage prep. And there's so many people that I work with that haven't talked about big things yet. So a lot of physical activity has to do with a lack of some intimacy that we're feeling. So a lot of men, especially men and women with porn is a huge issue. It affects the brain. It affects how we connect to people. It affects kind of that new flashy object that kind of catches our glimpse or our glance. And we're not able to really stay committed to one person forever because we just want like the newest thing. So physical activity has a lot to do with us and what I want and what I need is, you know, I have this desire and I want you to fill that. But the more your heart is transformed in preparation for marriage, you learn how much that is a giving of yourself and the connection and that full, you know, that full gift that only spouses can give to each other. Wow. Yeah. I love how you talk about these issues and, uh, and we're definitely going to have to have you back on another time to talk more about these kinds of issues. Cause I think people need to hear this and, and you're really approaching it from a really unique perspective. Maybe it's more unique to me because uh, I don't often talk about singleness, but tell us it's a little bit. It's not talked about, especially in the churches. We just don't have much language for it. The church really doesn't know what to do with singles, especially older singles that just are like, what are we going to do? And just trying to figure that out. So if folks are interested in learning, getting a copy of your book, hearing more about your podcast, learning more about your business, you are more, where should they go to learn more about you? I have two places, but you can just go to AnnieHarton.com. That's a kind of a landing landing page for all of that. I'm also on Instagram at Annie.Harton. And then my company is called You Are More. So just youaremore.org is kind of the direct place to reach out to me about being a client. I can see anyone in Indiana what, as a counseling client, and I'm also stepping into the world of coaching. So I have a coaching program based on my book as well. So that information can all be found on youaremore.org. Wonderful. But if you are outside of Indiana and they wanted to see you as a counselor, like with the Zoom counseling, that's not uh, allowed? Well, I would say reach out to me. I'm currently getting licensed in a few other states. So it always helps to reach out. And I also know a lot of other Catholic therapists around the country that can help you out. Wonderful. Annie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This has uh, really been uh, enlightening to me and, uh, and hopefully to our listeners also. Thank you. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Annie Harton about living as a single person in today's world. Again, this is Anthony Barone Colank. If you want to learn more about me or my books for uh, teens and adults, please come and check out my website at antonycolank.com. But until next time, may God bless us as we rely on our faith to work through the messy challenges of our lives. Mm-hmm.